Andrew Wiggins is so lazy, if he had a stay-at-home job, he still wouldn't get to work on time. Yeah, Andrew Wiggins is so lazy, he makes Garfield look like a hummingbird. No, no, no. Andrew Wiggins is so lazy, he woke up from a coma and went back to sleep. Andrew Wiggins is so lazy, his favorite potato chip is Lay's. Welcome to episode 93 of Wolves Cast, the show that also scored zero points against Chicago. I'm here with my pugnacious pal. I'm Scott. I'm Robert. Welcome back, everybody. We got rid of Neil. I know you had to put up with one week of Neil, like old times. I hope that you could stick with us through that brutal week of Neil's return. Yeah, uh, it was, uh, you know, I was, I was so over it. I'm happy to have you back, Robert. One week is not enough to get the rust off. Robert, with an H. Podcasting. So good to have you back. You are my, I was, I was telling Neil, he's he's more the guest host now. You're you're my co-host, it seems. Yeah, Because we're going to have you for a couple more weeks here in December. And then right. uh, we'll get you back in January because Neil is going out of the country. And then he's also doing more Cuckoo Kangaroo touring. Man, he's a busy guy, but... Uh, you know, there's a silver lining. I get to join you for Wolf's Cast, my I favorite, uh, what, not only my favorite Timberwolves podcast, but just one of my favorite podcasts in general. So it's uh, it's great to be back. And uh, yeah, Neil, keep a uh, stay away, stay away. I think your absence is uh, yeah is probably what's best. Full time right producer, guest host. That's yes. Neil's new role on the show. Occasional guest host. That's absence right. makes the heart grow fonder. You and, know. And really, if you if you miss Neil, if you just miss hearing his voice. Go check out Cuckoo Kangaroo, four words, Cuckoo Kangaroo. I'm not going to spell them. You know how to do that. Yes. Search that on Spotify or your streaming thing of choice. All their music is free. And you can hear Neil as one half of that band. He's out you you know, touring the country trying to make his dreams come true. So check out Cuckoo Kangaroo, everybody. One show at a time. Welcome back. We're so happy to have you here this week. We got other people we'll shout out and stuff like that, but I just want to get right into talking about stuff, Robert. Yes. With an H. Absolutely. So let's Things have changed since I was last here. We actually have, have winning basketball. And we, we have uh we have a team that plays defense. Wow. I know. It's weird. We have a positive like you said, I don't re- I don't think we had a week week recap where we had a winning record. But this past week we went three and one. Wow. Neil and I recorded our uh, last week's episode on Wednesday because we wanted to not record during Thanksgiving. So we were recording during the Denver game, uh, loss at home versus Denver. That kind of stinks. There, you know, famously, we had to beat them in the last game of the season last year to make the playoffs. So divisional rivals, you always want to take care of business there. Um, But there was just a little bit too much foul trouble. Taj and Towns both had their minutes severely limited because of foul trouble. A lot of ticky-tack fouls Reminded on me downs. a lot of uh, last year in that just one terrible quarter. That third quarter has always seemed to uh, torpedo the Wolves when they have played badly. And uh, that third quarter was brutal. Uh, the ball movement just stopped. Uh, defense was giving up a lot of open looks. And they let, they let guys like Jamal Murray, yeah. uh, they let him get going. And once you, you once those guys, take those many yeah, open once, shots. The, once those guys get momentum, all of a sudden now they can make tough shots in the fourth quarter when you're trying to get that comeback going. I think and, Murray uh, hit three three pointers in a row on three like just consecutive possessions, which is yeah. a very NBA Jam kind of play calling. Yes, like oh he's hot, let's do it again. Oh he's heating up, let's just go ahead and take another one. Why and not? now let he's on fire. You know, to fly, baby. That's uh that that's one thing that you realize when you watch these games. I mean, you could see like the stats and everything, but like the sequence of where the makes are, where the misses are, 
and uh, how that can kind of affect future events. I mean, uh, I know that there's like the hot hand fallacy where they've kind of proven that doesn't really exist. Like right. if someone makes a shot, they're not as likely to be. You're make saying a people can't actually get on fire? Well, I mean, the eye test would certainly say it, but yeah. uh, the statistics I don't think bear it out. But mm-hmm. uh, certainly it seemed like that third quarter, letting those guys get comfortable and get into some kind of rhythm had an effect on when the Wolves did kind of make a little bit of a run in the fourth and that Denver game. Uh, you know, they had a little bit more uh, confidence to make those shots. Well, that shots, was my so. problem with the Denver game was we made that run in the fourth off the back of our bench. Our yes. bench squad came in after our starters were so ineffective, and they got it back to like a two or three point game. And then Tibbs was like, "Okay, let's put back in the starters to lose this game." Right? Like if 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 you're uh, you know how teams are always like, oh, "We're not tanking, we're not tanking," but coaches do stuff like that at the end yeah. of games to lose games. That's like what I felt like. I understand you your starters are you know the horse you rode in on to speak, and so maybe you you're trying to end the game with them. But when you see that the bench unit got you back in a game, don't they deserve to finish the game? Absolutely. I I think that's one thing when, uh, I mean, we'll get to this a little bit later, but when we talk about somebody like, uh, that's why it's been kind of surprising to see someone like Andrew Wiggins these last couple games not even play the fourth quarter. That's very true. Because, I mean, he's the highest paid player on the team and he's, uh, you know, uh, one of the the main guys. So it's kind of surprising of Tibbs not to roll with him in the fourth on some of these other games. But uh, you're right, there is kind of a stubbornness that, uh, that some coaches like Tibbs uh, can get with uh, with these bench guys if they're playing well and making a run. Well, look at I you, say you just roll with it. Look at you just previewing our episode. I forgot to do the preview. Usually Neil's like, this week on Wolves Cast, we have full court press. We have this, 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 and well, that. This week's different. So this week's different. You're just going to have to stay tuned to see what we have yes. in store for you. It's a mystery. <laughs> uh, but let's go ahead and uh, go to our next game. Our first road win of the season at Brooklyn 1, 12-102. That was a uh, turnover game for Brooklyn. They had 18 yes. turnovers, and we had like 30-some points Ugly. off of turnovers. So, I mean, we capitalized on the turnovers at the very least. I think Brooklyn's like last three possessions, they turned it over at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. I The only thing I can really – I mean, this game wasn't super notable for anything other than it was ugly. And I will say it was good to see the Wolves uh, – it's good to see them uh, have some success against the East, particularly on the on the road. This is again one of those uh, one of those trap games that Brooklyn missing probably their best player uh, on the road. This is a game that last year we know the struggles that the Wolves had on the East and even like the bottom teams of the East. Yeah, they really yeah, weren't we, able. To we put lost those to Atlanta games. maybe twice last year, at least once. We lost to a, yeah, we lost to Orlando last year. Orlando. Yeah, a lot of the tanking teams we lost to last year. We yes. Lost to the Grizz twice. So to see uh, see the Wolves within the span of what like ten days or whatever beat Brooklyn twice. Um, also That's encouraging, you know, you want to beat the teams that are worse than you. Kind of the San Antonio model, sure. where you just you just beat up on all the teams that are you know the bottom the bottom dweller teams and uh, do what you can against the better teams. What I was worried about was the noon start time, noon East Coast, which means yes. eleven a.m. Central time for the people who don't know how time zones work. So our guys are are basically on an eleven a.m. clock when they're playing that game, and we are so bad in matinee games, which we saw against the Grizz mm-hmm. uh, two weeks ago. Uh, that two. 
thirty start time, we stunk. It just you know, and I get it. Like if you're used to performing at like six seven p.m. every night, and then you're asked to do that at noon, that's got to be completely weird to you as yeah. an athlete and everything like that. So coming out of Thanksgiving, maybe a little, a little sluggish. Well, you know, maybe that hurts the Brooklyn a little bit because maybe, they got to have yeah. Thanksgiving at home, and our guys had to have it in a hotel or something. So maybe right. it slowed them down a little bit. I think it was Ben Simmons or someone I saw say like, "Why did you guys lose that game?" He was like, "Oh, uh, because we ate too good at home, or we ate too many, uh, too much at Thanksgiving." Which, you know, I would understand that. But that, that could uh, uh, definitely be a possibility. The Wolves broadcast had stats about both teams, how they both struggled in like afternoon and right. matinee games. So it was really like, just from personal experience, the Wolves are terrible. They are, they are terrible at games that don't start at mm-hmm. night. Just you, you've, you've watched the team for years. You know, that's just yes. a recipe for bad, you know, bad basketball. But the Brooklyn Nets also suffered from that. So apparently they were the worst of the two teams that stink at it's playing. The battle of attrition. That used to be a thing with a big thing with KG and Matinee games is like uh KG never been he's never liked Matinee games. Yeah. Never who liked would? afternoon who games. Would? So. I would hate it too. Yeah. It just it's gotta throw you off. So uh, I'm happy we were able to win that Matinee game because that is a weird stuff. Also before we move on from Brooklyn, two quick things that don't really have a lot to do with anything so we shouldn't have to discuss them too much. One, mm-hmm. I hate the new baseline. I love the subway tiles that they yeah, had. Yeah, yeah. The subway tiles were went... so distinctive, and now it's just a boring old font. I don't get why they went back to this. I thing. don't get it either. Zach Lowe really hates it. So, yes. I mean, he's fighting the good fight for me. And also, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if you saw Jimmy Butler's uh, three-point game winner over Brooklyn the other night. Yes. It was very similar to the one that he bricked a year ago for the Timberwolves. <laughs> uh, a year ago, Spencer Dinwiddie just killed us through it the oh, second half. And then he had, he had a go-ahead shot, and the Timberwolves were up or down by two, and Jimmy just did this terrible dribble the ball around everyone swarmed him he did his stupid jump back three which he hit for sixers but he did it against he was took a terrible terrible shot and missed it and it was just like wow jimmy you couldn't right. it was it wasn't even like a same spot that uh he made against uh the hornets pretty much yeah, when uh, yeah. he hit that game winner but so it was just like i just thought it was funny like oh you can do it for the sixers but you missed from that exact same Man. spot last year Sarasara. i look at those two yeah. games and like jimmy gets super pumped up it's like you beat the hornets you beat the nets yeah it's like maybe you uh it's great that you win the game and everything right. that's all that matters but uh they haven't just yeah, be taking not, care of not business really uh, and, uh, the 1927 those Yankees games away before you have to make the game winners, right but whatever well and I, i'm trying to talk about jimmy less I, i'm trying to phase right. him out of our show he's not on our team anymore he's not on our team so that's right i know there's, out of sight, a, there's out of a little bit of that like he was on our team so it's still relevant a little bit but i'm trying to make sure we don't talk about him too much on the show because he's gone let's move on let's move on uh our next win was uh against chicago at home, that was nice to win. It was mm-hmm. uh, especially we got a win when two of our starters went one for thirty. Yeah, uh, Roca went was, one for eighteen, and it was uh, incredible. Wiggins went uh, zero for uh, twelve. That's right. He had one rebound and one assist. Uh, it was <laughs> Andrew's worst game as a professional basketball player. Yes. and Roco, despite being really uh, cold from the field and. You know, it is a little frustrating because you, you, you look at Robert Covington, you're like, this guy can seemingly do it all. He can shoot. He can defend. Where's his uh, where's his downside? And then you see him miss a lot of stuff around the rim, and you're like, oh, he's not very good. He's like Ricky Rubio finishing around the right, rim kind yeah. of. Um, so I kind of understand, you know, how he doesn't average more. Like, when we got him, I was like, how does this guy only, like, average, like, 12 points a season? It's like, oh, that, that's why. He's not very good, you know, around the basket and stuff like that. He's good at getting he doesn't shots. Have any, he's good at everything, but he doesn't have anything that he can really rely upon. At least not on offense. Yeah, that, you know, consistently he can rely upon. He'll have... He'll have good shooting day nights. We saw that later on uh, against Cleveland. Great shooting day. 
Uh, but when that shot's not falling, he doesn't have like uh, you can't throw it to him in the post. He's right. not great off the dribble. No, nope. uh, but you can always count on him to give uh, a lot of energy. And that's the big thing. The big difference that's is that, that kind of separates him from Wiggins a little bit. Now going regard. one for eighteen is probably worse than going zero for twelve. But unlike Andrew, who just had an assist and rebound, and that was it. Rocco was filling up the stat sheet with rebounds, steals, uh, blocks. Right. Mm-hmm. He was still being a positive contributor, even though his shot wasn't falling, which is something that Andrew's going to need to figure out if he's going to be, you know, everything that Hopefully, we want him to be. Yeah, you'd hope that uh, a max player would uh, be able to get that kind of motivation. But uh, yeah, you would hope so. I mean, definitely hope that Rocco is uh, being a positive influence in that regard. Like, yeah. hey, your shot's not falling. Find other ways to impact exactly. the game. Yep. So I think that Roko and will that be hasn't good been something that Andrew has done. Usually, it's kind of either he's scoring and the other things tend to come, or he's just like invisible. Or more times than not, he's scoring and the other things don't come, and he finishes a game right. with like twenty-one points, two rebounds, one assist. You know, yeah. maybe a steal, and it's just like he did nothing but score. You know, yeah. which brings me back. Quick aside. Two years ago on the podcast, Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, they did a Call of Duty thing when they were in L.A., and I watched a live stream of them both playing, Yeah, and I, I tried to read into their personalities by what mm. their gameplay was like, and it You've was very telling. You've always been a big proponent It was very that. telling, because I do think you can learn people a yes. lot about people by how they play video games, and Wiggins didn't care about the game, uh, like the overall, it was like capture the flag or capture the base kind of game, where the objective is to hold down the zone and capture it, and Andrew couldn't care about that. He only cared about kill-to-death ratio. He wanted to kills you want to make sure he killed more than he died which is very much like that's normally the game mode in video games is like just whoever kills the most wins so it's kind of like basketball whoever scores the most wins but uh cat on the other hand was doing all the objectives he was making sure he's holding down the base defending the base assisting Mm. other guys and he wasn't so obsessed with his uh his scoring total aka the kill to death ratio he cared about doing the things necessary to win i thought this is a very interesting dichotomy between these two guys yeah and so that kind of all every time andrew's the kind of guy who just gets points and doesn't care about anything else i always remember him playing call of duty being like i just care about my kills and my deaths and that's it you know i I do think that you're right i've come to believe that that you can tell a lot about somebody about how they play video games and uh i think you're on to something there i'll try and find that episode and tweet it out in case you want to hear that segment um let's finish up the week recap uh one more win that's at cleveland 102 to 95 win our second road win of the season. Ah. It's nice to beat bad teams. Uh, you know, they put up a little bit of a fight. I really enjoyed the first quarter when uh, Colin Sexton, uh, the mm-hmm. rookie for the Cavs, was being a little feisty, and Jeff Teague was just like, oh, I'm going to cook you. I'm going to I'm going right. to put you in the pot, and I'm going to just stir you up, and I'm going to cook you. And yeah. you know, like he was just like doing everything. He was being so aggressive. He was being such a bully to Sexton. It's like, where is this Teague all the time? It was super fun to watch. Yeah, I love that when NBA players, like, I get that. 82 game season it can get a little monotonous and that there are going to be kind of peaks and valleys of your motivation and i love that when a guy like teague who normally is pretty pretty stoic on the the floor when he gets like pissed off about something he's like all right all right rook you want to play let's do this and then you know then that's when he plays his best basketball it seems yeah absolutely so um so that was fun to watch um good to get a win uh, we are recording this, I should say, on a Wednesday night instead of our normal Thursday. I don't know when Neil's going to put it out. He might put it out tomorrow, uh, or he might put it out on our normal day of Friday. He's unpredictable. He is, but uh, w- that means that we're not watching the Spurs game that's going on right now. That's right. But we'll talk about it next week's show. You know we're good for it. Of course. When have we we'll let you down? You. When we have we let you. you down? Never. Here's the tip. All right, our first topic in full court press, defense without Butler slash 
Covington Mania. Mm. I just thought of a new nickname for Kid or for Covington. It's Kid Covey instead Kid of Kid Covey. Cuddy. Kid Covey. <laughs> might do There's some photoshops. Yeah, I mean, it's a great name. You can do a lot with him. Um, and I might even drop the Robert sound drop that we got from last week. The Robert plays elite defense. Uh, the, <laughs> the quote from Tibbs right there, if I had the sound drops, but I don't. Um, so, yeah, our defense is great. Um, offensively, we've fallen off a cliff since the trade, but I mean, a little bit of that is to be expected, just, you know, figuring out all the new pieces and how they fit together. And obviously, the new guys are figuring out the playbook. So it takes them a while to get comfortable. You would kind of assume that. But our defense has skyrocketed. And I know some of this is due to the fact that with Jimmy here, we had one of the toughest schedules since he's left for playing all these terrible Eastern Conference teams. Right. But it's, you know, good to take care of business at the very least. We have, um, I didn't check the stats right before we recorded, but it's like a top five defense since uh, since we've gotten Covington, yeah, since Jimmy's left. Like number one in like yeah. defensive rating. It's really good. It's like really that. good. And I'm hesitant to talk too much about it because I was listening to the Zach Lowe podcast with Kevin Arnovitz that came out today I on, my, to that too? on my drive over here. And he was saying, because the flip side of this is that Philly's defense has tanked since they got Jimmy Butler. They're right. like 23rd, 25th in the league on defense. They're like a top three offense. Well, not only that, so. but Zach Lowe was saying like, yeah, the they're bad on defense, but they're giving up like the, they're forcing their opponents to take bad shots, but they're just making the bad shots. Right. They're forcing their opponents to take like the long twos and the shots that you want to give up to an uh, opposing offense, but they're just making them at an unrealistically high clip. So they weren't worried about the defense for Philly. So let's stop the Schnadenfreud. Schadenfreud. Schadenfreud. Thank you. That's right. Uh, that we're gonna feel about us being good on defense and Philly being bad after they got sick, they got Jimmy because. You know, defense is kind of hard to talk about in that way, but we can talk about how clearly better the defense has been, uh, and also I think a lot because of uh, Robert Covington. Yeah, Rocco. He's, uh, I think he's shown a lot of a lot of the other guys. Kind of, there's just been kind of a shot in the arm in terms of energy, and uh, I think uh, they always say like, okay, you play. You play defense with your – that's your focus. And then offense, that should be – like ideally, your focus should always be on defense. And then on offense, you do what you can. And that was always flipped yeah. uh, with, the, with the Wolves. As, as happens when you have young teams, and the Wolves have mostly had young teams throughout their existence. My thing with this sort of turnaround, I mean, we're going to see if it's going to be sustainable. I mean, I don't think they're going to be the best defensive team in the league, obviously. Uh, I don't think that's sustainable. But if you could jump from being like one of the worst to being kind of like middle of the pack. Oh, man. What, I would give my left arm to just watch an average defensive team. You know, What it makes me think about is... Like the difference in just the overall demeanor and winning does a lot, obviously, but the overall demeanor they're having fun uh, since getting Rocco in, it makes me think about like if you get those that baggage away of Jimmy, what if you got a coach in who kind of connected to the players a little bit more and yeah. wasn't always dogging everybody? Well, like, it's like how much uh, better could they get? We just referenced that Kevin Arnovitz low post, but Kevin Arnovitz said that a NBA player described playing as Tom Thibodeau with Tom Thibodeau as a coach as having your recess taken away. Yeah, and that's what yeah. you see. You look at any of Tom Thibodeau's players; they all look like they had their recess recess permanently taken away. Yeah, and Jimmy it, totally played into that. Yeah, I uh, you know the guy kind of like the always looking over your shoulder kind of mentality that uh, a lot of our guys didn't really uh, respond to. But Rocco, it seems like he he has the right kind of uh, temperament to really get guys like Towns and, I mean, Wiggins, he's struggled. But, I mean, yeah. 
but even guys like Derrick Rose and uh, Teague, it just but particularly Towns. Yeah, right. getting him energized. He's getting got a him, very uh, a blossoming bromance. Yes, absolutely. Cat. Yeah, he was at the press conference today, and he was posing as a reporter, asking yeah, questions yeah. about they Cat's each bad other questions. Yeah, it was great. Like. So, like Towns turned around and said, "Like, so you went over like a million the other day. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. I love that. And, I, and yeah, it seems to it's taking pressure off Towns. It seems like Towns is more relaxed in who he wants to be. And I always felt like early on after the trade too, it seemed like Teague was doing a lot more fun assists like that he normally does. He usually right. got to the top of the key, dumped it off to Butler or Towns, and then sat there waiting for the kick out. And now he's diving into the lane and dropping you know drop passes down in in the paint and stuff. I was just like, he looks like a guy who's not as afraid of getting criticized by another person, you know, yeah, like exactly. that looking over your shoulder thing that you were yeah. talking about. I mean, the Wolves are definitely, I mean, I don't know if it's just Broco or if it's this addition by subtraction with Butler or what it is, or just that you're playing inferior talent, but it seems like they're just really like scrambling around the floor really well. And yep. they're, uh, when it swings from strong to weak side, they're really tight with their rotations and getting over and everything. So it's been, uh, it's been amazing. I mean, just in terms of from one extreme, all offense, basically no defense, to basically kind of the inverse. Yeah, it's been uh, good. I almost have whiplash. I've al- I've always wanted to cheer for a team that's defense first. You know, that's <laughs> You've why never I, had the opportunity. I've always had a huge spot in my heart for those Memphis Grizzly teams oh. the past like eight years. The, Even the current Memphis team is. I still love Memphis. Taking that same oh, kind of identity. Mark, Mark and uh, uh, Mike are my guys. Mm. Tony Allen and Zebo. First those team teams, all defense. Those teams that would beat you like eighty six to seventy nine. Those are really fun teams, and I always yes, cheer for them. So I, it, just the idea of us playing defense, and it's not even like it's interesting right now with defense. I've heard a lot. I've read a lot about uh, some really good defenders saying that the NBA is making it really hard for them to defend, like with the, the whole freedom of movement, free, freedom yeah. of movement rules. I saw an article that went into Utah Jazz's struggles on defense so far this year, and Rudy Gobert being like. It's really hard to figure out how these new rules and how we can defend. So the league is definitely pushing uh, the game into a more offense-oriented, less defense-focused kind of uh, thing right now. And that's what I, you know, the Wolves were playing good defense, but we're not slowing it down like the Grizzlies used to do. Or you're, right. you're, you know, you're slowing it down so there's only 100 possessions in a game. You know, it's like our defense has gotten better by us like taking steals and taking, you know, stealing the ball. Like Robert Covington is leading the league in both blocks and steals. Yeah, stocks. stocks. As, I love uh, that. Bill Bill Simmons, I believe, coined that term. Yeah, when you co- combine blocks and steals, and uh, you know that's uh, remember when we had AK forty seven on the team. Oh, he was always he was a great the consummate stocks. stocks guy, right? Yeah, the stocks market right there. <laughs> so I still um, got my Timberwolves AK jersey. That's, so do I. So do I. I love it. I love that we both have AK the black AK forty seven jersey. That's mm, right. So good. What a great player. Um, wow, that was a great year. And that's what Robert Covington kind of reminds me of, you know? With a three-point shot. With a three-point shot. And, uh, and well, I was going to make uh, a very uh, personal and kind of seedy joke about Carolina, but I'm not going to. Mm. I have just realized I shouldn't say that on the pod. So Maybe the less said, the better. Less said, the better on that. And uh, I will say, though, with uh, Rocco is on the same. And, well, you know, ESPN, why aren't, why aren't you sponsoring our pod? Because this is the third time I'm mentioning the Low Post podcast. They were talking about... There's a window. There's a window for Rocco to win Defensive Players Player of the Year this year. Mm, right, right now, like I said, he leads the league in stocks. 
he came over the Wolves, and we went from being last in the league in defense to suddenly top five. And he's he, already been first team all defense. He's already he's been first team like all he's defense. Coming out of coming and out of nowhere. Some of the traditional people who have dominated that mm-hmm. award, like Kawhi and Rudy and Draymond, aren't as good this year as normal. So there's an opening. That'd there's be a fun opening. storyline to just kind of keep a tab on as we yeah, continue. As, as we also keep an eye on Derrick Rose, six six man of the year uh, potential uh, sure, award that's winner. Another there, one. So. Um, one thing, last thing about Covington, I love his first game with us. He was raising his arms to the crowd, yep. being like, "Make some He's noise, make some times. noise." Yeah. yeah, and that's something that Cat and Wiggins don't do. That's something Jimmy came in and did. And I was like, "Yeah, Jimmy is like getting the fans amped up." And then you know, to see Robert doing it too. It's like this is awesome. Uh, our guys, our developed guys. Maybe it's just like how we develop young guys. That are like we don't interact with the crowd and tell them to get pumped up. But uh, I effing love it when Robert yeah. does it. You know, it's a. It's the kind of guy that he, I mean, we talk about guys like Rocco being, they're not great at anything in particular, but they're like glue guys. And part of that, like, cohesiveness is, you know, you're a morale guy, too. You yeah. keep your team, you te- keep everyone, uh, you keep spirits up, uh, you make sure no one, if someone needs a pat on the back, uh, they have it. You're getting guys pumped up. Like, Wiggins isn't going to do that. Yeah, uh, that's true. I mean, cat. Still kind of growing into that role, perhaps a little bit. Right. I mean, D. Rose isn't the kind of guy really to do a ton of that. So it's nice to have. uh, And then, I mean, with Butler, he was kind of the good and the bad we saw with that sort of motivation. So having someone who's a little more positive, uh, I think that's how, that's kind of what uh, guys like Wiggins and Towns respond to. Not, you know, not the Tibbs. Uh, Butler school yeah. of you know we're going to be going to be hard on you yeah bullying yeah. that's right uh, how many games did we win last year 47 48 I mean did we win yeah uh, I think it was 47 yeah so last year we won 47 games went to the playoffs for the first time in 14 years and I think this team is having more fun than that team you know oh, yeah like it's just clear we're having more Absolutely. fun playing basketball than we did all of last season and that rubs off on the fans too you know oh yeah it's uh, it's contagious I mean, you could tell last last year, just they didn't seem like they enjoyed playing together. I mean, they're winning, and that's always good and everything. But uh, yeah, it doesn't definitely seems like they're smiling a lot more, a lot more positive uh, energy. So it's a it's a welcome sight to see, as opposed to what we had the first you know ten games of the no, season. Seriously. All right. Well, let's move on to our next topic. He's hitting up Andrew and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad week. <laughs> I gotta eat some crow here. I always said the trade was gonna unleash Wiggins because my thing was if you look Something at Aaron's if you look at Andrew's career, every year he was better, he was better, he was better, and then Butler got here and his numbers dropped off. And I said, Well, that makes some sense. Butler's doing the same things Wiggins is doing on the court. Wiggins is taking a back seat now. And I thought that with the floor spacing that Covington and Saric had, I think that, that would open up lanes to the hoop for Wiggins and that he would have a lot less pressure and he'd be able to go back to what he was doing previously. And it just hasn't happened yet. He had um, two of his worst games and definitely his worst game of his career against Chicago. But like you said, against Cleveland, he was sitting in the fourth quarter. And it's just like he continues to – all the complaints that we've had, he continues not to impact the game very much if he's not scoring. He uh, – the, the big thing is, if you watch his effort next to, like, a lot of people said Okogie earlier in the season, mm-hmm. but also Covington now, you just see that he's coasting. He, I, mean, I used to defend that a little bit. I'm, I'm trying to work through my feelings right now, Robert, because I'm, 
I'm an I'm Andrew Wiggins apologist. I'm here for you. I've been on his side so much, and I'm just trying to like. It hasn't been easy. I have to readjust my expectations because it's been such a bad week for him, you know. And I'm not trying to overreact to one week, but he's been so bad this week, and it's just like. I am a guy who doesn't try hard when I play pickup basketball because I'm out of shape. And so I have to coast and I have to save my energy where I can. And and when I watch Andrew Wiggins playing basketball, that's what it reminds me of is me. It, where he, wow. it, you watch Robert Covington that's, attack. It, that's terrible. When you see Robert Covington get screened, he attacks it. He gets through it, you know. And the way he just puts his head down, he crouches and he runs. And Wiggins always seems to be like almost always standing up fully, you know. He's never right. in like a crouch position. And he keeps drawing fouls. And not drawing fouls. He keeps fouling people when he tries to get around screens. He just fouls the person. And it just looks like he's always coasting like he's tired. And so, like, and this is me, Andrew Wiggins' apologist again, being like, does Andrew Wiggins have some kind of physical problem that we don't know about where he can't give energy 100% of the time? Because it's, it's very clear that he's playing like me, and I play, we play pickup hoops for two hours, Robert. And I played my first hours. game. Wow! I played my first game at like sixty percent energy because two hours later I want to be at the same sixty. It's a marathon, level. not yeah. a sprint. So I, I'm, and, but NBA players need to sprint. And it, like I said, Andrew Wiggins reminds me of myself trying to save energy everywhere he can. On I, mean, the court. I think floating in the ether has always been: Does Andrew Wiggins enjoy playing basketball? Ooh. Yeah, I mean that's part of it. That's a great call. It's always been like, okay, he's he's good at it. He's an incredible athlete. He might be one of the top five athletes in the entire NBA, but he doesn't really seem to enjoy playing a whole lot. We didn't, re- and it's as time has gone on. I mean, remember all like the the poster dunks he had, and he you know he was a little bit making making at least some facial expressions and stuff. Right. I mean that one crazy dunk he had. Uh, that uh, two-handed dunk he had a couple a couple games back. Well, I can't, was it can't when he kicked Miracic in the nuts? That's right, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was one of the biggest dunks of his career, and it was at a critical point in the game. And if you would have just looked at him, it would have been like, you know, it was like a, he, they were getting blown out or something like that. And he had to have like Taj come up and kind of get him pumped up a little bit. And it just doesn't seem like he's uh, – He's in love with playing basketball the way that you would want someone making $30 million a year. Uh, that you it is interesting. Want him to have that. You know? It reminds me of Darko, who never wanted to be Darko. a basketball player, but mm. he was just so tall and the perfect kind of body for basketball that he was like, fine, I guess I'll do this if you're going to pay me millions of dollars, but I don't like this game. I'd rather be fishing, you know? <laughs> and where Wiggins has his whole life been, been on the fast track. He, he was, you know, back in high school, people said he's the next LeBron, you know, he rigging for Wiggins. Remember our tanking oh, slogans? Of course. And so, you know, Wiggins, How could I forget, of course, you know, he's one of the most hyped prospects, you know, of the past decade, easily coming into basketball. And so he always had an easy path. He got picked number one. So his money was always guaranteed. Now he's got the max contract. His money's guaranteed. And so he's never really had to, you know, prove himself, really. And just like, like his decision making with stuff, he always, uh, the amount of long twos and just sort of, uh, th- he doesn't really. I'm sure he's been told, like, you should be doing this and not this. At least you want to believe that people have said, like, stop taking long twos, turn around long twos, get to the rim, get to the rim, and more three-pointers, which we've seen somewhat. But But the the idea that he's resisting that, just uh, he's enigmatic. Yeah, That's the word I'd use. And that's why it's like it's easy to project your feelings onto him, which is why I've always been like, 
he gets a bad rap because people are like, he's lazy, but it's like, I think that's projection. But now maybe I think I've been projecting my feelings onto him, you know, that mm. blank canvas that he is. That's right. The problem with him taking more threes is that he's taking more threes, but he's not taking away long twos to do it. He's What he's doing is getting to the rim less. Shouts to, to Aaron, Aaron Gleeman, my favorite twins writer, blogger. Percentage of Andrew Wiggins shot attempts outside of 10 feet from his rookie year to now. 50%, 52%, 57%, 59%, 66%. Every year he's taking less of his shots at the rim. And that was the thing when he was, you know, when he was a rookie, his flip was just like, we're going to post you up on the, bo- on the block and have you do that all the time. And it's just like, Andrew, I love the increased three point percentage. I think that's great, but he needs to start forcing his way back into the paint again. That's the, that's the thing I said when, you know, we got we got rid of Butler and we got Sarge and Covington. I was like, this spacing is going to let Wiggins get into the paint again. He's not doing it. No. And that's where he needs to make it happen. It's like, like the troubling thing is, remember when Josh Okogie earlier this season had that crazy putback dunk? Yes. And Wiggins said to the press after that, it reminds me when I was younger. And everyone had a good laugh. Like, oh, old man Wiggins. Old 23-year-old Wiggins, you know, remembers when he could dunk. But it, I think he believes that. Like, I really think he believes he can't do what he used to because he's not he's not forcing it in the paint anymore. And when he is, he's not dunking. He's got, like, four dunks on the ear, you know? Yeah. And only one or only one really, like, emphatic one, too, which you know he's capable of. That's the thing. So you mm-hmm. know that if he forced the issue, if he ran the floor super hard, he could get an extra four to six points just by playing harder, if not more. Easy. But Easy. he just doesn't really uh, – the the thing with him is it's always going to be like who's going to be able to unlock that from him? Who's going to be able to motivate him to give 100% when currently he's giving like 80 maybe somewhere around maybe. there? Well, if it, like I said with hoops, it's about 60 to 70 if it's my, my – Right, if, if he's that. compared to me. But it's just like, yeah, you just feel like – and like – Maybe this is Max Wiggins, and we're all like, he's being lazy, and he's actually giving as much as he physically can, but it just feels like he's not. It feels mm. like he's, because he's not running, like I said, he just doesn't try as, he doesn't have the foot speed of Robert Covington going around screens. He's not, you know, forcing it. He's, he's always, like I said, standing straight up. Get into a effing crouch, Wiggins, please, you know? And stuff like that is what, I can't tell if stuff like that is what would make a team, uh, if you did decide to move on from him and you tried to find somebody to trade for that huge contract, if stuff like that is what would scare a team off, or if stuff like that is what a team would look like and be like, we can uh, we can get that out of him. Yeah. We can find the right coach, the right teammates to get that out of him. Right. Because right now it's it's kind of a mystery. Like, what do you need to do to get to this guy? So I've, I thought like, the Wolves have five, uh, the team well, five that, years to figure it out. <laughs> the team that would take Wiggins, I feel like, would be a team that's like, we're not getting free agents anyway. So like maybe like the Pelicans are like, we're not going to sign any effing wow. free agents. So let's get a guy who's under contract. I thought about like, I don't think the Wizards would do it for Beal, obviously, because no. Beal's such a, a good. He, he's going to get so much You'd have positive value. But to I just Wiggins feel like the Wizards point. might be the team that's like we're locked into John Wall and Porter, so we need to get someone who's locked in who can't leave us, you know, and right. do something like that. But I, I think it's too early to talk about trading him because I still believe in Andrew Wiggins because I am an <laughs> abused fan or something. Like, it's we need just to like, get buttons no, no, you don't know the real like, Andrew Wiggins. Andrew he's nice Wiggins, to me. Yeah. He can be nice. Yeah, seriously. But uh, I still believe in Wiggins. But it's getting harder too all the time, Each especially passing bad shooting game and I do think that sitting him in the fourth is very encouraging I think yes. that because the problem with Wiggins is you can't 
you know, what are you going to do? Take away his minutes? He's playing like 38 minutes a game. He's played the most minutes in the in the NBA, I'm sure, since he got drafted. You know, if you just look at all the minutes. I'm, I'm positive he's top five at the very least. It's him, Towns, and maybe Butler. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jeez, he's, he's always played like the most minutes. So, like, you can't be lazy like we joked about at the beginning. You can't be lazy and play 38 minutes a game in the NBA. But he's not trying as hard as when he's on the floor. I that's think right. that's a problem. And I just think that, like, benching him is the only way that you're going to get across to him. That, you know, hey, across. When I say across, sometimes it sounds like across. And my wife's always like, you no, just said across. And I I'm like, you. no, I said across, but it sounded like across. There's a peek into my domestic life, everyone. Mm, Shouts to wow. Meg. I love her. Anyways, uh, so that's, I'm just thinking about Wiggins is like, you can't, he already gave him the max contract. He's guaranteed the starting spot. His whole career, he's been guaranteed minutes. So the only way you could get him to understand that he needs to do something or else he's going to sit is to bench him. And hopefully that is, gets the point across. Sit him enough fourth quarters. Come, I mean, maybe bring him off the bench if you have to. But just try to get it across to this kid that he, it's not acceptable. Yeah, he has to give more. Yeah, but you got to try different things. I'll say that. Yeah. All right, let's finish up uh, our full court press with uh, our last topic. He's on fire! All right, everyone, we have something fun we're doing for full court press. Our final topic. It's called the Annoying Habits Tournament. Mm-hmm. We love our Timberwolves, but man, do they have some habits that drive us batty when we see them happen. So we have a, uh, we have eight seed tournament right here. We're going to, there's, so there's four teams or four matchups in the first round. Then we'll go to two matchups in the semifinals and we'll have one matchup in the finals. Sound good? We all know how brackets work. Yes. All right. Let's go through this, uh, game by game. First up, our one seed, Andrew Wiggins, annoying habit. (laughs) Shot selection slash lawn twos. When uh, he when he has to dribble it in, then take a fadeaway long two. That's a clear or, number one seed. Oh my god, it, it's the number one annoying thing when you see it happen. It just makes you shrug, or as Zach Lowe said on a podcast, go meh is That's the right. sound he said you mm-hmm. make when you see it. Number eight seed, Carl Anthony Towns, complaining to the refs and not getting back on defense as a result. Where even if he just takes a moment to be like, "Where is my call?" All of a sudden, his guy's halfway up the floor already, and then he's right. help, 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 you know, and trying to get back, and it's a scramble, and you don't get to set your defense, and they score. Um, what do you think? Well, who's who's advancing, Robert? If you had your well, pick, well, um, I mean, as we all know, at least in the NCAA tournament, a one seed has never been toppled in the opening round. Yeah, and obviously, it's not going to happen. This I agree time. with you. Cat, cat uh, complaining and being kind of a brat and can having little mini temp- temper tantrums at the expense of defense is annoying. But you know, it's one He's of these getting better that, at it. A lot of a lot. He used of to do it a do lot that. more. He used yes. to do it a lot more. He's doing it a lot less. It's annoying when it happens, especially because it's so clearly compromising our defense. But it's only happening like once a game, maybe on average, maybe twice on a bad game. But like right. it used to be happening like every quarter. So yeah, he was uh, very bratty. It's about annoying. It, but it's still annoying, but Andrew not nearly Wiggins, as annoying. Those long twos are yeah. just uh, oh, drives you crazy. Even when he makes them, it's like, why are you doing that? Stop that! Stop it! Yeah. So yeah, it's gonna. I'll be honest. Like you said, be hard. This is a you got to imagine number one. Some season. kind of coaches are telling him don't take those shots. But you'd hope so. You'd hope so. All right. Next up, our two seven matchup. With a seven seed, Tom Thibodeau, always yelling. Just always, always, always. This kid's annoying. Dominating the audio when you watch the Wolves game. Especially when there's an empty game. You can hear everywhere. He's like, walk, walk, three seconds, three seconds. And that's annoying. But also number two, the seed, going up against Gorgie Jane, 
the pump fake, then travel. How many times have he's we seen? He's got to be the league, league leader in that. And it's something that he's been terrible at for years, and he hasn't gotten better at it. Yes. You think this would be something you just work on all and summer. Then, uh, but he, he does the pump fake, he gets his guy to bite, and then he puts the ball on the ground and promptly travels with his first step. We can all imagine in our heads the face that Gorgie makes when he that gets called. Oh, and yeah. He's like, what? You know? Yeah, you see it once God again, bless at least, him, but, you know? Uh, Figure it out, Gorgie. It's been years now. This is a simple thing, you know? So the 2-7 matchup, I mean, what do you think? I mean, are you... It's pump fake and travel for me. Pump fake and travel. Tibbs. I've got Tibbs yelling, honestly, because Gorgie's minutes have gone down at least. At least it's happening less because of that. But uh, I've hit every game. It's Tibbs yelling. I, it's it's really great. Okay, we have a tie. Me. So let's do rock, paper, scissors, shoot on three. So it's one, no, one, two, three, shoot. Okay? One, two, three, shoot. One, two, three, shoot. Ah, I win. Gorgie Jane, moving on. rock beats scissors. Gorgie Jane. Going on. Okay, our next matchup is the 3 6 matchup with the six seed, Derek Rose. Dribbling the air out of the ball, generally being too ball dominant. When is the last time you saw Rose doing a JJ Redick thing? Like running off ball, cutting around the screen, catching it, Oof. and then flashing, you know, and, and jumping on a catch and shoot. He doesn't do it. All of his not plays, and listen, Rose has been effective this season. I'm not trying to hate on that. But everything Rose does is with the ball in his hands. You know, right. he's either he makes off. a good pass off a pick and roll or he's, you know, just taking some kind of like, let's dribble it in and pull it from the elbow. And he's Awful been with effective. a lot of guys just sit, standing around right. watching. Yeah. So he just dribbles the air out of the ball. Uh, or Tom Thibodeau again in this tournament. Wow. Too strict about his rotations. He's gotten a little better last year. It was the starters play, then the bench plays. The starters play, and then the bench plays. And this year he's mixing it up a little bit more. But you can't tell me there wasn't a game this past week where we could have used Okogi or Tolliver in lieu of Gorgie or something. Gorgie had a good week. I shouldn't diss on Gorgie, but you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Uh, I got to give the edge to Tibbs, the higher seed in this one. If only because someone like Okogi. I felt like he earned the chance to get more minutes. I also and think, even Tolliver. I mean, oh yeah, Tolliver. I'm there's sure sometimes when you did. want shooting. And yeah, exactly. It's worse with Tolliver because I understand where Tibbs uh, his, his philosophy, which is guys who are in this league for years have earned their minutes over rookies. That can be frustrating sometimes because we've had lots of rookies and Tibbs doesn't play rookies. We know that, um, so, but I could understand it from a fairness aspect. Tolliver's been in the league. He's been around the league. He's a veteran. He deserves his minutes. Okogi, first year, you you flash some good stuff, but earn it. You know, I kind of get that a little bit, but I I agree that like there had to be like have Okogi go out there and run hard and watch Andrew sit on the bench and watch that and be like that's exactly, the guy you have to be the right. guy who runs to the corners is open for three and then tries Establish really hard. Establish that is what you expect out of your guys. Yeah, and Okogi, if nothing else, you know that he's going to give full effort. So. Well, that brings us to our final matchup. That means Tibbs is going on. So for, so far, the top <laughs> seed has gone on in everyone. But this is tough. The 4-5 seed. We have Jeff Teague versus Jeff Teague. Ooh. Two annoying habits. What's more annoying? The 5 seed, Jeff Teague catching an open three-pointer and hesitating until it's no longer open, a.k.a. the Nemanja Bialica move. Yes. Was the, the belly. belly. The belly special. Yes. Or, number four, Jeff Teague... Being terrible at passing the ball into the post. How many times has he has Carl been on a guy in the post? He has his guy sealed off, and Jeff kind of picks it up, tries to throw it over, kind of tries to throw it sideways, kind of tries to throw it sideways. It's like, you know what? I can't get into the post. The lost start and of the post like, entry pass. It's like you're a point guard, man. Carl has got his guy sealed. He's he might even have a mismatch and have his guy sealed. And Teague's like, you know what? I'm not going to risk. I'm not going to risk this post pass. Let's just let's just do something else. Hmm, that's a tough one. I have to give the edge to. 
hesitating on open threes, honestly. I gotta, cause that, they usually lead to like a, like the clock winding down. Yep. And, and then like also he has to dribble it in and then, you know, it take in it. And then, yeah. Try I, to take like a floater in, that in makes traffic. makes me pull my hair out. And I feel like it happens at least like once a quarter or something like that. I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you because actually for some reason, Teague is better at post-passing into Taj. It's just like a cat problem he has, which is weird. So I'll agree with you. Let's have a lower seed. Let's get an upset. That's our right. first upset, upset of this alert. tournament. All right. Well, that brings us to our semifinals, Robert. We have uh, the number one seed would what play against the number the four five matchup. Yeah, one would go against the the, four, the, the, winner. the five okay. seed. So we have Andrew Wiggins shot selection lawn twos against Jeff Teague hesitating away open threes. <laughs> Again, it's it's Wiggins. It's Wiggins. It's Wiggins. I, How frustrating! Is, it, it it's been happening for more and more, like as time has gone on, which is the exact opposite of what you would think it would happen. Yeah, but uh, it's going to be hard for anyone to upend Andrew Wiggins in this. I tournament. agree. Let's go on to our next matchup: Gorgie pump fake then travel versus Tibbs. Too strict about his rotations. Whew. Two seed versus three seed. I'm going to say this: Gorgie's annoying, but that happens once a game. Maybe on a good game, he doesn't do it. Whereas yes. Tibbs' rotations is every single game, right? I, that's what I was thinking, too. Is I feel like Tibbs, his his rotations affect everybody. And Gorgie, I mean, maybe once once every, maybe two times every three games. And also, Gorgie travels. It's a turnover. That stinks. It doesn't take down the team morale. You get the funny look that Whereas, he gives. Whereas, like, think about AT being such a good team player. And now he's, can't even, he's not even going to play a game, even if he deserves some time. And that's got to hurt the team morale. Like, think about well, you're like Anthony Tolliver. Well, you're like 19 or is he 19 or is he 20? Okogi, a guy who showed a lot of promise. All of a sudden, he goes from, you know, getting 15, 17 minutes a game to nothing. Right. Ah. I would, oh, he had such a good start. It was like... This might be you a rookie of the year contender, oxygen, yeah. you know, to develop and absolutely. Uh, so sounds like we're agreed. Number three seed tips. Okay, now we're in our annoying habits tournament final. Yes, Andrew Wiggins shot selection we versus all knew it Tibbs. Would come to this. Tibbs being too strict about his rotations. What's more annoying to you? Oh boy. I mean this this is a tough one, but I got to give the edge to Andrew Wiggins. I agree. Come on, it's so annoying, man. Every it's the only thing that makes me like. Like, scream at my laptop, you know? Like, just That's scream right. at it. Be like, what the F are you doing? Why did you take that shot? At least for a while, you could kind of see why Tibbs was so uh, strict about his rotations because we had no bench. Yeah. It's been really Last year more of a sense. development this year. But the Andrew Long 2 has just been going on and on for, you know... It's increasingly more and more the last couple of years, and it's yeah. Uh, and I and like I will admit, as a fan, obviously I don't understand how coaching and chemistry works in locker rooms. And I think that there might be something to be said for letting players know how many minutes they're going to get each night ahead of time, so they can prepare. And that's kind of the argument for having a strict rotation is to be like, be honest with these guys. Don't be, tell AT to get ready like he's playing if he's not going to play. You know, and players like knowing their expectations. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And give Andrew Wiggins, congratulations, Andrew Wiggins. You're a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad week has gotten even worse because you are the first champion of our Annoying Habits Tournament. Yeah, There will be more. There will be more, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of more, let's talk about earning some more money for this pod. We got sponsors. That was not the smoothest transition, but we got a great sponsor this week. Good. Let's dive into it. That's right, everybody. We got a great sponsor this week. It's from our friends at NBA League Pass. Do you watch basketball games after your partner has gone to bed? Are you tired of waking them up with loud basketball announcers? 
Well, we're happy to introduce NBA League Pass's Whisper Mode, a new setting that brings the announcer volume down to a whisper. Welcome back to the second half of Timberwolves basketball. The Wolves lead the Pacers 52-48. Jeff Teague brings the ball up the court. He dumps it to down, and oh my, what a slam. Incredible. With Whisper Mode from NBA League Pass, announcers will register at a barely audible decibel, no matter how exciting the play. Victor Oladipo drives to the hoop and he is stuffed by Gorky Chang. Genied. Oh my. We'll see that on SportsCenter. Whisper Mode is perfect for fans who find headphones uncomfortable, but who still want to hear the play-by-play while watching a game next to a sleeping partner. Order League Pass now with special promo code I can't hear you to start using the new service today because with League Pass Whisper Mode, the NBA is fantastic. I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm really, really worried. I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm freaking out here. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I mean, why, why would I be worried? I'm not worried. I'm not worried. You're not worried, are you? You know what time it is. It's time for an exciting round of worried, not worried. We, I'm not mm. sure if we've been worried or not worried this season so far. It's been a uh, been a weird year. So this is. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what you're worried about, what I'm worried about. So, well, you know, there's so much to be worried about in the world today. We just want to make it simpler for our fans with the anxiety. Right. Just tell them what they should or should not be worried about. Yeah, you could trust us. So we got four different topics here. The first question, though, is Robert. Derrick Rose is averaging 32 minutes a game since the trade. Are you worried or are you not worried? I am worried, Scott. Ooh. I am worried because, again, as we talked about, these are minutes that guys like Okogi could be getting. And the whole, like, I have uh, this year, one thing that's been kind of in the background is what are Tom Thibodeau's motivations for this year? The win now mentality? Uh, he's play- fighting for his job. Is that coming at the expense of younger guys who should be getting more minutes? Or like Okogie? is the motivation, instead of I must win now to stop getting fired, maybe I got to do something to sell myself to the next team that's going to hire me? Uh, well, I, that's what I hope. Yeah. But uh, I do worry about a guy who's on a one-year deal and him getting a huge amount of minutes and also his usage rate in those minutes being like the highest on the team. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's something that, again, the, the word oxygen, I always like. These guys need oxygen to grow, the younger guys. And mm-hmm. I'm including guys like Wiggins and Towns and Okogie and, uh, and even like Sharich. Those sure. guys, I mean, the more that they can have the ball in their hands, the more that you can spread that out, the more development you get. That isn't really what Derrick Rose does these days. Um, it's He hasn't been terrible. He can distribute it, but he's a ball-dominant guard, and uh, that comes at the – I'm worried that uh, we're becoming a little bit more de- – a little bit too dependent on him. Sure, absolutely. I'm going to say I'm not worried about this, Robert. Mm. Because, one, if he gets injured, more minutes for Okogi. What we were talking about. Uh-huh. Maybe he twists an ankle. He's got to sit out some games, playing too many minutes. All of a sudden, we got minutes for Okogi. But also, I have had to eat a tiny bit of crow with Derrick Rose. Now, don't get me wrong. We've talked about this on the pod, about all of his rapid or his multiple myriad failings off the court. Yes. Namely that uh, even if you take him on his word, he had... Uh, he took turns having sex with his friends. Uh, his friends and him t- t- took turns having sex with a woman who probably wasn't in any shape to give consent. Um, so I just got to say that before I ever praise him. But he has been 
pretty indispensable to the Wolves for the past several games. We would not have had several of these wins without his efforts. I thought he was bad when Jimmy Butler was on the team because we already had a bunch of people taking shots when Butler was on the team. So it just felt like all Rose's shots were kind of ball hog shots. But now I feel like we need somebody to be kind of that gunner, especially if Andrew Wiggins is going to get super shy and not be scoring. We kind of really need his, his, his scoring, you know, even if it is a ball dominant kind of scoring, we definitely rely on it right now. So he is a guy that like in down the stretch, we saw this at uh, Cleveland where yeah. you can just sort of kind of give him the ball and you know that he can, at least lately, he's been getting decent shots for himself. So Yeah, you know. and his, his shooting numbers have been terrific this year. Obviously, I don't think it's sustainable, but at the same time, when he's making shots like this, like it's hard to argue against how, how important he's been to the team so far this year. So maybe I'm worried that our team him. relies on him, but I'm definitely not worried about him getting a lot of minutes, especially because, guess what that's doing to Tyus Jones? Tyus Jones driving that price down. We're going to get Tyus Jones a very cheap next season because he's not. Tyus Jones is getting no shine when Derrick Rose is on the floor with Tyus Jones because Derrick Rose is so ball dominant. We don't get to see Tyus with the ball in his hands, which is really when Tyus shines. And so because (laughs) of that, Tyus is going to be super cheap for us to resign. We're going to get a team friendly contract on Tyus, and it's going to be thank you to Derrick Rose. So I town discount. I'm not worried about the minutes so far. Well, let's talk about someone else's minutes. Are you worried? about, we kind of talked about this, Josh Okogie and Anthony Tolliver's minutes. I am not worried because, like I said, I think injuries will happen. I, I you know, it's a, If we have perfect health through the rest of the season, what a great problem to have. But I think injuries will happen. Um, I'm more worried, like I said, for Tolliver than Okogie. I do think that it's fine to tell Okogie, give him that tough love for, as a rookie, saying, like, you've got to earn these minutes, make him try even harder. I know he looks like he's trying as hard as he can all the time. But I, I think that it's probably just a positive thing to tell him that, you know, you got to earn your minutes in the league and kind of teach him that. You don't want him to get entitled like Andrew got, you know, early mm-hmm. in his career. Um, with Tolliver, I'm a little more worried just because I don't want him to dis- get discouraged and stuff. Um, I guess, I mean, he's got a really movable contract if we needed to trade him, I suppose, if right. he's not getting any minutes. But I just think that injuries will happen and there will be time for these guys to play. Yeah. Are you worried? Um. I'm a little bit worried in terms of Okogi, just because what we saw out of him was encouraging, and I thought that electrifying, yes, and all the the, the cool nicknames, Obi Wan Okogi. Um, Call me nonstop. I miss that, and I miss uh, I miss seeing somebody who you know had that kind of athleticism at the guard spot, at the guard spot, the wing spot, uh, who you know fully was going out 100, yeah. percent unlike you know Wiggins, um, At. I love AT. I love AT. I love AT. Uh, God loves AT. Yes. And I certainly think that, I mean, what, his like true shooting percentage was like second in the league last year yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm a little confused why these guys can't get like five minutes a game, eight minutes a game, just to see what they can give you. I've, the idea that they're not getting any minutes at all is a little worrying to me. But uh, like you said, there's a... There's other things that these guys can do right. outside of outside of the floor, especially in AT. He's a, he's definitely like a locker room leader, right? Like and I will say with around. AT, like one of our biggest problems is rebounding, and that's gotten a lot better because reba- AT doesn't rebound well for his position, and no. so substituting Saric in there has been great for our rebounding. And uh, you know, AT is good at shooting, but he's not very good at defending. So you know, I can kind of see a little bit of that, right? But, right. Yeah. All right. Our next question, Robert. Worried or not worried? 
Will we win too many games and Tom Thibodeau will get so much credit for those wins that he sticks around for another season? We don't fire Tibbs because we win too many that. games. I am worried about it because just because Glenn Taylor has such like his MO is always yep. that he's so resistant to change and he likes to keep things the way they, mm-hmm. they are until he's absolutely forced to uh, make he's a change. He's a sucker for a feel good story, too. Yes, the he story is. of this team traded away their best player and then look how they. They convalesced around like the new roster. What a great leadership by Tibbs. Yeah, that was the one silver lining with the whole Jimmy Butler nonsense is that I thought it reflected very badly on Tibbs. Yeah, that was Tibbs' guy. And for people who have been wanting to see him go, it was like, oh, this will be. If this is the impetus to get him out, then then at least we can be happy about that, that it's kind of a package deal. But now if we win games, they'll say, look at that defense. Worst in the league, and Tibbs got it to the best. You got into a top five defense. I don't trust Glenn Taylor to be able to see past that. So it does worry me very much. I don't want any more Tibbs past this year. I want someone else who can reach these guys. I'll also say I'm worried. Um, I'd like to think that, you know, if I'm speaking with a rational mind, uh, the rumors were last year after the season that Tibbs was going to get fired or demoted if he didn't make the first round of the playoffs, and that the expectation for this year was second round of the playoffs. So even if we make the first round, I feel like Glenn Taylor would be like, this is still a disappointment compared to last year. You're out of here, Tibbs, or at least you're demoted, Mm. Tibbs. But I'm worried because, like you said, this is Papa Glenn. We know him, you know. If there is a way, if there's any kind of feel-good storyline around Thibodeau at the end of the season, Glenn will take the path of least resistance, and he will bring him back. So I agree. Uh, Glenn doesn't like firing people. He likes hiring people. So That's that's right. I'm going to agree with you. I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm worried. Even though I would like wins, like it seems like it would be stupid to be worried about too many wins uh, because obviously all the more wins we can get, awesome. But I am worried about it. I'm worried about it. Mm. Last one. Scott, Cat, Teague, and Rocco, they went to a WWE event at Target Center this week. Are you worried that wrestling will inspire one of them to heel turn on the others? I'm a little worried, Robert, just because of Rocco. Because here's my thing. We saw the WWE drama here. We were basically a WWE storyline for the first couple weeks of the season. We got our heel turn in Butler, who is playing the villain role. You know, it's like, oh, that's Jimmy Butler's music. And he's coming down the (laughs) ramp and flexing on people. And so, like, I I feel like we've just went through that drama. So I I would say Cat and Teak aren't going to do that. I'm worried, too. I'm worried about Rocco, though. He was away. And now he comes here. He didn't see all that drama. So he could see that drama of the WWE and be like, you know what? They might not be cheering him, but the guy who gets booed gets the loudest boos of the night. So You know what? In wrestling, you can always tell if guys are really getting along really well. Yeah. That's when you know that something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That, so, and and that, that's the storyline right now. Cat and Rocco, buddy, buddy. You can't have a great heel turn into a villain unless you're a good guy first, right? Who's going to align themselves with the, the evil Tom Thibodeau? Oh, man. I think that this is this is ripe for a WWE storyline. That's right. Who knows what will happen next? What are, you, are you worried or not? I am worried. Worried, yes. yes, again. Because the Jimmy Butler thing has passed, and now there's a... Wrestling is always about continuing storylines and That's stuff. Right. So now you need Especially, a new villain to we, come we've out. We've talked about how the national press has moved on now. They don't That's care right. about the Timberwolves. They only care, care about the interest. Sixers. Yeah. And so to keep that interest, maybe you do a heel turn. Uh, that's, oh, that's we're worried. We've seen it a million I think, times. I think the WWE is the number one thing we're worried about, it seems yes. like, after this segment. All right. Well, that is a great segment of Worried Not Worried. Let's go ahead and do our weekly Wolfies.
presenting your weekly wolfies. That's right, it's weekly wolfies. We're running a little bit over time. I'm only saying that out loud because I know Neil's listening and editing this. I really don't <laughs> care about time, your time, my time, or uh, the time length of podcasts. But if I say stuff like that, Neil will be like, "Oh, good, Scott's Scott's a, got a steady hand on the wheel, you know." Here, you know so, him very well. It's uh, almost as if you're brothers. So really, take as much time as you want. Uh, I'm going to do my wolfie first, though. Feel free. Is that selfish? Yes, but go ahead. That's all right. Sometimes it's okay to be selfish. Sometimes you have to be. Sometimes the most unselfish thing is to be selfish. Sometimes Ricky Rubio should be more selfish. Mm. All right, let's do this. My weekly Wolfie goes to Fox Sports Go. Um, Fans of the pod will know that I've had challenges watching games in the past. When we started this podcast, I was a cable subscriber. Could watch all the games, DVR them, watch them later. That was great. Watch a recorded game at 1 in the morning, whatever. And then last year it was tough because we cut cable and I was required, I was relying on my in-laws and my parents to record it because they had cable. And then you could re-watch the replay that they've recorded. I could like sign in online and watch what they've DVR'd. Right. But the streaming was also really bad. It was always blurry. It was never like HD quality or anything. It was a real impediment to my enjoyment of watching these games. <clears throat> and so this early season, I've realized with my parents' cable information, I can log in and watch Fox Sports Go live games. You know, mm. And even if like the game is almost over, I can hit start and hit replay from the beginning and then pause it. And like an hour or two later, I can go back and watch it. But sometimes I would be like, okay, I pause this game. I'm going to come back at like 1 a.m. to see if I can watch it. And the page will have reloaded. And then I can't watch it. You know, I'm like, oh, this is a nightmare. Now how am I going to watch this game? They let you do replay games now. Wow. You, if you're signed into Fox Sports, no, this is what I'm going to do tonight because we're recording this during the Spurs game. It's 9.21 p.m. right now uh, as I'm recording. That's a live status update. Mm. What I'm saying is I'm going to go home and around like midnight or so, I'm just going to log on to Fox Sports Go and I'm going to hit uh, like replay episodes. So it doesn't even matter if it's live or not. And I'll be able to watch the entire broadcast. And the HD is terrific. It looks Crystal clear. It looks great. It's the best video quality I've seen in like since I've cut cable. So I just want to give a shot, uh, shout to Fox Sports Go. It's so cool that they let me replay archived games like that and watch them with uh, pristine streaming quality. It has really increased my quality of life as a cable cutter. So thank you, Fox Sports Go. Well, that's great. Uh, I've also got a positive weekly Wolfie. Oh, good. Um, I'm going to give my weekly Wolfie to former Timberwolf Zach Levine. Who we saw, we saw again. What a good guy. Uh, come back. Yeah, great guy. Half man, half machine. To, I got bounced like Zach Levine on a yeah, trampoline. I saw a picture of Wiggins, Cat, and Levine kind of like palling around before the game. And it just made me smile seeing him. I'm, uh, I'm, some guys leave and you're kind of indifferent. Some guys leave and you're like, you know, that guy, I don't like that guy. Zach Levine's a guy who I'm very happy that he got paid, very yep. happy that he is in a situation now where he can uh, be featured for better or for worse. Yeah, I mean, they're so injured that it's basically the offense is just the Zach Levine show. He hasn't yeah. even been particularly efficient lately. No. But, you know, he's averaging 25 points a game, you know, on just terrible shooting numbers. But you know because what? That Chicago when he team, doesn't score, there's no scoring for Chicago. That's right. That Chicago team, I can see them being a... Not this year, obviously, but when they get fully healthy, another year under these young guys' belts, I can see them being a playoff team next year. I and disagree, but I still think they're fun to watch. <laughs> I think that the, I think that the, they the, get fully the bottom of the Who's East playing play- defense on that team. I don't know. Lori? No. 
We'll see. Okay. We'll see next year. Listen, next year. I like watching the Bulls. I went to school in Chicago before I was a Timberwolves fan. My family moved around around as a kid. I lived in Illinois for a while, so I was a Bulls fan before I was a Timberwolves fan. And those jerseys look great. It would I love Levine be like too, a seven you know? or an eight seed or something just, like yeah, that. But we'll who see. knows? We'll anything see. can happen at the bottom of the East playoff picture. So. Yeah. Okay. You're right about that. But, you're uh, really right. But In God the East, bless, anything can happen. But God bless Zach Levine because he, he's Zach a good Levine. guy. He always seemed like he worked hard. Uh, Decision making sometime left left something to be desired. And I'm ma- sure you know what? it he still makes, does. But. He makes me think of Flip, too. Yeah. Makes me think sure. of Flip. Flip's home run pick. And it was a home run because we were able to trade it for Jimmy Butler. And That's so right. Also, did you hear the story on the broadcast about Zach Levine? He got into town late. The Bulls got into town real late. And Zach went to Lifetime Fitness and started oh, shooting. Awesome. Jim Rat. I like to because Ben said, what do you think Zach did after they got off that late flight? And Jim Pete said, played video games? <laughs> Which is also a good answer. But no, he went to the gym. I, uh, He's a gym rat. I saw a funny... I think it was on like Slam Online or something. How a story that Zach Levine told of how he uh, he used to like skateboard. Oh, and really? He used to be a skateboarder, and his dad told him like, "You better be wearing like pads and a helmet when you skateboard when you practice." And his dad caught him not doing that, and his dad came out and like snapped his skateboard oh my God. too, like over his knee, and gave him a basketball and said like, "Go, go shoot!" Oh my God! Something what like a great that. decision! Yeah. Uh, send that link so to that Neil. Me like send that too. link to Neil. I want to read it. He'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll do. All right. Well, we got a quick game. It's a new game, and we've never done this. But now that I've realized that Robert has been promoted from uh, guest host to co-host, that's official right. co-host, because mm-hmm. Neil is not going to be here very much for the next two months. Uh, we got to get with me. We got to get to know our co-host more. You know, I, uh, I know we just know a little bit about you because as a guest host, we just need to know a little bit. But as a co-host, we need to learn a little bit more. So we're going to play the newly get wed game, Robert. Um, I'm sure people know what the newly wed game is. We're going to be I'm asking questions, and I'm going to write down what I think Robert's answer will be, and he'll write down what my answer he thinks will be, and we'll see how compatible we are for weddings for marriage. Mm-hmm. All right, okay. so let's get started, Robert. Who is your uh, who's your partner? So that's me. Who's your partner's favorite non-KG Timberwolf? Ooh, favorite okay. non-KG Timberwolf. Knowing you. Gosh, mm. this is tough. This is tough. I think your favorite non-KG Timberwolf. Did you write it down? Um, we have papers. So we can, just like the New Wide game, we're writing it down, and then we're going to reveal our answers. I'm going to go with something a little bit offbeat. I'm going to go with super cool Michael Beasley. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's so close. Ah. Unfortunately, that is my second favorite. Oh. I love Beasley. Just more as a human being than as a Timberwolf, you know? I just love <laughs> him as a character. I don't care what team he's on. I am always on team super cool Bees. The NBA is better off with him in it. But his stint one here was a little bit short, so he's just one of my favorite basketball players, not one of my favorite Wolves. My favorite Wolf is, of course, Chase his face. Be happy. Enjoy it, mm, Ricky yeah, Rubio. You're right. Taught me, you're right. Taught me love, taught me patience, and taught me pain, Ricky Rubio. All right, fair enough. All right, I have an answer for you. I wrote Kevin Love. Close, yeah, close. Those My years were good. Favorite but. Timberwolf is Nikola Pekovic. Oh, I love Pack. I love Pack. I love just, me some Pack again. When he was healthy, he was a great player, but more just like... A personality. It, he was he had kind of like a mythology to but him. He does. He definitely has a mythology. The way his, his arm tattoo evolved. But I think the thing about Peck that differentiates him from Beasley is that I have lots of fun, legendary basketball moments on the court with Peck. Like, watching mm. Brandon Knight try to... Watching Brandon Knight get screened by him and bouncing like 10 feet yes. back like he was made out of Super Bowl. 
you know, like yeah. watching players hit Peck and then like be shocked and look at him. The way he owned Boogie Cousins, the way he owned every center in the league, DeAndre Jordan, just yeah. an immovable wall. Uh, I uh, I'm happy you picked that. That yeah. goes wrong. All right, next one. Who's your partner's least favorite Timberwolf all time? Oh, I have to guess yours. I don't mind. I have to guess mine. I have to guess yours. Least favorite Timberwolf of all time. All right. Wally Serbiak. It is not Wally World. You see, Wally, I love Wally, Wally actually. Wa- Wally World was fun when he was on the team. He was one of our few all-stars, but he was kind of a bitch otherwise. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like maybe in time... We've soured on him no. over time. My least favorite Timberwolf is, for a variety of reasons, Johnny Flynn. Oh man, what a great answer! Yeah. What a great answer! Yeah, uh, oh. I was in the he, when the short stint he had post Timberwolves, where he was a Houston Rocket. He came back uh, for a game, and he wasn't getting any minutes. He's just sitting on the bench, and the entire crowd section I was in just booed and. Uh, heckled him ruthlessly the one return he made to Target Center and it was uh, very satisfying I think that's like I know this is a subjective game but I think that's objectively the best answer here Mm, well thank you well now I have to guess who your least favorite Timberwolf is Mm -hmm. wow okay I guess I don't know. Should we write our own answers and then fold them? I guess we've been writing whatever. What we're yeah, it doesn't either really matter. Way it works. It's also not a visual it, it, medium. Either way, so. it translates okay. beautifully to a podcast. What did you say? I'm going to go ahead and say Darko. Oh no, I uh, Darko sucks, but I like that he's this tortured, misunderstood, like dark individual. He represents a lot of embarrassment. Like the fact that he's tragic in the fact that he just wanted to be a fisherman and then he grew so big that everyone's like, you have to play in the NBA. And he's like, I hate it. And they're like, you're going to make all this money. He's like, I hate it. And he still had to do it. So he's a tragic figure. To me, it's Adrian Payne. Adrian Payne. The name that is synonymous with pain. You can't even say it. I mean, not only do we have to give up a first-round pick to get him, but every time he was on the court, he was just fouling he people left and right. There, yeah, he was never. He never did. I think one positive thing on the court. I, I, I doubt there was a game in his career with the Timberwolves where he was a plus on the real plus minus. <laughs> is what I'm saying. I have to do a deep dive. He was so bad. So Adrian Payne. All right. No apologies. All right. Next question. What is your partner's favorite non-KG era of the Timberwolves? Okay, I'm going to go first. Feel free. I think you like the Al Jefferson era of the Timberwolves. Ryan Gomes, Telfair. Mm. I know that you and Neil had the Proto-Wolves cast. You had a Timberwolves Today podcast back then. The Kissing Marnie Gellner podcast network. That's right. Timberwolves Today. And I just think that that was a carefree time in your life. It was like late college, you know, just maybe a little bit afterwards where, you know, you, you know, you have the problems of being like, I'm broke and stuff, but you don't have the weight of the world on you. And those teams, you know, you could be like, hey, we got Big Al and it's something new to focus on. So that's my guess for you. That is correct. Yes. That is correct. I love those years. Uh, Big Al was a lot of fun to watch. Um, yeah. They didn't. They didn't win anything. They had horrible uniforms. Yeah, the green, the green, the oh. weird green. The one they only so stuck ugly. With for even like a NBA Two K doesn't have them. Yeah, um, but that did uh, that did represent a, a fun time in life, and uh, it was a time of hope. You know, post KG. Yep. Um, you didn't know. I mean, there were it guys, was like uh, guys like Gerald Green. You were wondering what you'd be able to get out of them. Uh, you didn't know yet that they were going to be complete busts and they weren't going anywhere. You had guys like weird guys like Theo Ratliff was on the team. Antoine right. Walker was a Timberwolf for a while. 
Uh, it was just a, I, I a think weird it's ragtag group. I think it's something fans don't understand today is like when you go to the playoffs like every year and get bounced in the first round, which was kind of the Timberwolves for the, you know, up until that trade with KG. It was like, we go to the playoffs every year and we lose. We go to the playoffs every year and lose. You must feel like an Atlanta Hawks fan, you know? Exactly. And so like the idea of jettisoning KG, at that point you don't know you're 14 years away from your next playoff appearance. You're just like, hey, this is new. You know, maybe we won't make the playoffs this year, but we're building something that can get us past that first round in the future, you know? Yeah. It was a time of progress. So I'm going to guess that your favorite non-KG era... I mean, I got to go with what you said before about your favorite Timberwolf. It's got to be the Ricky K. Love years. I do love Ricky. You're right. I, I, I think, <laughs> changed your mind? No, I, I, I just think that like the K. Love years is weird. Because like, what is the Ricky era? Because Ricky went past K. Love, you know? I'm going to say that it was K. Love, Ricky, and those couple years that we had Kevin Martin. You see, I I do think that the, that's probably the correct answer because that was probably the most successful. He was a little iteration. bit. Ricky was unleashed a little bit after that. Um, I do still have resentment of that last love season and how Rick Adelman would let JJ Barea finish games uh, instead of Ricky Rubio. So that was a little frustrating. The JJ era. But uh, yeah, I mean those K Love seasons when uh, you know Kevin Love would tweet stuff like, "Oh, our favorite Spaniard learned a new word. He came back into the locker room and called me a douchebag today. Yeah, You're a douche. Funny. You're a douche." <laughs> so yeah, the chemistry back then I, ha- I still have the slam magazine framed at home yep. of kevin love and ricky rubio ruled el mundo you know <laughs> so uh yeah you're correct definitely yeah. favorite era all right very good last one this is non-timberwolves this is what is your partner's favorite basketball play to make in real life wow this is really where we get into get into each other's psyches robert you don't play basketball with us very much but i do know just from having known you since the old school days, you're a shooter. You love shooting. So I'm going to say you're a shooter. You love you love hitting that three point shot. Oh yeah, obviously, obviously, and more specifically, um, I like uh, going under. I like it when someone goes uh, under a screen. And oh, shoot. perfect. Use this perfect. Shoot. Yeah, you got to teach them a lesson. That's exactly right. Or in a full court game, if you take the ball up the floor and like sprint dribble three, <laughs> pull up, pull up three in transition, pull up, pull up three. From gotta the top. love it. Gotta yeah, love it. I love that. All right, I'm gonna guess um, for you, Scott. I mean, having having played against you a fair amount, I'm gonna guess that your favorite play because you are always very rugged to play with. I'm gonna guess that your favorite. I'm not play a skill is, player. Uh, when someone tries to drive on you and you stand your ground and kind of just uh, you end up like you know stymieing a drive. Or That's something absolutely like that. correct, especially if it's like here's my thing: is I'm slow. And so I don't offensive rebound because if I miss it, I'm going to never catch up to my guy on defense. I'm going to be, help, help, but you help, stay help, vertical. help. Yeah, exactly. So I'm help, help, help. So a lot of times on offense, I'll just float around the top of the key. That way, if there's a breakaway, I'm the first man back. And so a lot of times there's breakaways and I'm the only man back. And what I really love, not just stopping a breakaway, but when it's a two-on-one and I can... I can Interrupt it. Mm. Oh, that's the best. When you have a two on one and you're like, you show enough on the ball handler that, that he passes, and then you jump that passing lane and knock it down. I'm with you, man. Oh, you feel elite. You feel elite. So, yeah, stopping the fast it's a break. momentum play. Especially because, like I said, I'm so lazy to make sure I don't get beat back. That's the only thing I care about is not letting my guy score on me. I don't care about scoring points. There's, sure. there's a lot of great shooters on Personal my team. Personal vendetta. Everyone's about scoring points, not me. I'm about I'm about not letting my guy Kinda score like on me. like a Dennis Rodman type. So, yeah, stopping a fast break, that's when, that's one of the few times when I'm like, I'm really contributing to my team here. Everyone's on that. Mm, wow. So absolutely, you know me. Absolutely, I do. 
All right, everybody. Well, that will do it for this week. Thank you for sticking around. Thank you for coming back. Um, if it's your first time listening to us, uh, thanks. We hope you enjoy a lot of the other episodes we're doing. There's some great stuff in the past. Go check out some of the Jeopardy episodes. Uh, shouts to Canis Hoopus. They let us post on their website every week. We love being there. They have some great writers, some fantastic editors. Please check I them check out on day. a daily basis. Just some terrific work going on. And also, the best comment section of any oh, bar none. of any hoops for site, many for sure. years. And uh, yeah, I mean, man, back from the days when every bad loss would get you a faux recipe. You know, <laughs> you know we've been around. So uh, thanks I've to Canis. Um, thank you, Robert with an H. You can all check out <laughs> Rob with an H on Kings of the North. Uh, that's thank his you. NFC North football podcast. I'm eagerly anticipating listening to this week's episode after the brutal uh, beatdown from the Vikings against the Packers. And it's my gonna, Lions lost. Too. And your Lions ah. lost. So there's going to be some great uh, content there. If you want to check Sparks out la- fly. last week's Thanksgiving episode, I was a guest. At least my character was a guest. Yes. That's what. That's right. This podcast isn't just people. It is characters. People that's in right. character. Uh, it's kind of a parody of NFL tropes in a lot of ways. It's it's really fun. And so I suggest you check it out. Kings of the North. I'm sure Neil will link it in the show notes. Um, check out Cuckoo Kangaroo. Come to Darby's for trivia. It's, two, it's Tuesday, 6 p.m. I host trivia at Darby's Pub and Grill. Still Come by. Strong. Draw a little basketball hoop on your trivia sheet. You'll get an extra podcast point for that because you're awesome for listening to the podcast. So we appreciate you, and uh, we're going to see you next week, and we promise you we'll always give more effort than Andrew Wiggins. Money, 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 money.